Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a while. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. If you like a determiner, thedorkforest.bandcamp.com is where premium episodes are. All of these episodes are free streaming on iTunes or dorkforest.com. Anyway, let's do the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard. He's going to sing again at the end of the show, his words to the Mexican hat dance. And Vilmos fixes my website, jackiecation.com. Jackiecation.com has everything else besides the dork forest like it has merch if you want merch if you want a t-shirt ranger of the dork forest t-shirt or a dork forest t-shirt or one of my stand-up cds or the spooky reading girl t-shirt for my stand-up you can get it there you can get my dvd there you can watch me do stand-up comedy on some videos you can look at my schedule i'm in los angeles this week doing a bunch of sets and but next i think new year's eve is the next time i go out of town and that is in Minneapolis at Acme Comedy Company, recording my new album. The website is also the home of the Support the Show page. Support the show every other month, not December and November, but every other month I ask that you donate to the Dork Forest. In November and December, I ask that you donate to a local food bank. Find a nice charity. Get somebody a sandwich. You can do it. Google the name of your town and the word food bank, and that will help. So do that. Um, you can support the show by using the Amazon banner, on the support the show page, support the show page, Amazon banner just takes you to Amazon and you order like normal. And then the dork forest gets a little bit of a kickback. doesn't cost you extra. It's just, we get a little bit of a kickback. If you order through that banner, there's a tiny Amazon icon on the front page, or you can use the banner on the support the show page. I have another podcast called Jackie and Lori over at Nerdist, where I uh, bitch about stand up comedy. And this is the dork forest. And I think that's the whole thing this week. Let's get to it. It's a good one. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room with Caitlin Gill. Crab apples, uh, all the things. Hello. Hi. It's so nice to be here, Jackie. Uh, it's very cool. Okay, so it's at Robot Caitlin with a C. That's it on, on the Twitters. Right, and Caitlin is tall. That's on the Instagrams. Instagram. And uh, you are tall. I am very tall. I remember. Yeah. I remember the height. When yeah. you were standing. Right now you're sitting. Yeah, I am seated now, which is a less intimidating <laughs> position for me to be in. The height's all in the legs, baby. It's all. I put it all in the trunks. You got legs for miles. Miles, huh? miles. I got, yep, uh-huh, mountains worth. I, I got read. two skyscrapers. I, I just perch on top of them. <laughs> skyscrapers with knees. That's what I'm working with. Oh, my God. Where's that children's show? But it's like a huh? weird skyscraper that's like wider on the top. You know what I mean? It's a rare design. A very impressive architect. That, architect that feels rare and wonderful. Built my high-rise legs. <laughs> Yes, good the weather Lord. is nice up here, Jack. Is it nice up there? Is, good. It, is the yeah. air rarefied? The air is clean. <laughs> it's clean? Yeah. Is it thin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. I'm a little lightheaded most of the time. Lightheaded at all times. You are not over six feet, are you? Yeah, I'm six foot one. You're six I'm just fo- hunchy, but I'm six foot one. Yeah. Okay. So loom. I try to loom. I try to, I'm the, as I grow into adulthood, I've uh, learned that occupying my space is a, a thing I should take pride in. But yeah. it takes time. I'm still working on that. Well, I wish I wasn't. I wish I was really good at that. Well, it's a lot of space to take up. It's a learned skill. I'm being being okay with what you look like. Yes. Yeah, it is. And how, and how you are. You can't miss me. 
I don't blend into a room easy, Jackie. I'm going to be honest. Oh. I don't. Even if I'm a wallflower, I am a, a noisy, misarranged flower. Clomp, uh, clomp. Falling out of the wall that you I, run into as you walk by. I'm a much shorter, uh, holy fucking terror. I feel like that offers so. an anonymity that I, I envy in some ways. Right, being a shorter uh, bit of a disaster. Uh, no, I still get a lot of attention. Your hot stuff, Cation. It's, uh, sure. People are like, did you just trip over nothing? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, I, a lot of people don't know that about me. Do a I lot of physical something. comedy. It was a shorter person, but I just try to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're constantly on. finding tiny people to trip over. Yeah, they're everywhere. Anyway, so. You do stand up comedy. I do stand up comedy. You're going to be at Cobb's December 22nd. December 22nd. I'm so excited. The Bay Area, because you're from the Bay Area. I'm from San Francisco. So you're going yeah. home for the holidays. Gonna, yep. Going to go see the fam a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to go look at them. Going to go stare at their faces right. while we eat things. You got to do it. And yeah. then Crab Apple's your show. You, yep. you do it uh, at least once. I think you do it once a week at the improv. Every right? gosh darn Tuesday night at 10 at the Hollywood Improv Lab. Uh, me and Bobcat Goldthwaite host a little stand up comedy and variety affair. Uh, it's really fun. I also shouldn't say Bobcat's name and my name and the word affair in the same sentence. Exactly. The rumor mill is already grinding, already but kids, get okay. over it. I live with my girlfriend in his basement. That's the extent. <laughs> and Bobcat's career is on fire, as he likes to say, because he has yep. roommates who live in his basement. 50 question mark with roommates. That's it. Everything's That's coming up Goldthwait, and- as he would say. And as I would say, yeah, 35 and living in the police academy guy's basement. So we all have our burdens to carry. We all have our burdens to carry. I've been, my burden is that I've been trying to get him on the program for about 10 years. I'll try to twist his arm about that. Not that I have any influence. You don't have any influence. But I do occasionally just put him in a car and drive him places without telling him where it is. So we should coordinate that at some point. Yeah. It's uh, a, I think that's what Moon Zappa did with Beverly D'Angelo. She's like, I think hey, that's you're going to be, <laughs> be on the Dork Forest today. I saw that. Yeah, that's I? awesome. <laughs> uh, Bobcat's a good buddy. We do that show together every week. He's my, I love him so and, much. He's and, the greatest. And so you're doing Sketch Fest, though, with that show. Yeah, we're going to go up to San Francisco and do Sketch Fest. And then uh, I'm also going to do McSweeney's Internet Tendency show at Sketch Fest, which is both going to be so fun. Sketch Fest is my, it's just one of my favorite times of year. Sketchfest is a comedy festival. A three-week uh, comedy festival in San Francisco. It is an mm-hmm. extravaganza. They finally put, ho- not finally, but they put hotel deals up on their website this year. Because, yeah, oh. it's worth traveling for. Yeah, and you're going to end up staying two weeks. Because yeah. there's a lot to see and do. Oh, my God. Two weeks. That's yeah. hilarious. If you're a comedy fan, it's an irresistible month. Bay Area residents are spoiled by that festival. I hope everybody snacks tickets and goes to the shows. You could also just move to Los Angeles and see everybody. That's right. You could not go to those shows every (laughs) night of the week, as people in LA do. You can also not go to the ocean, which is what I do. Right. Yeah. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. very sad. It's good to have those options. So, Caitlin Gill, Mm -hmm. I will say this is that your dorkdom made me laugh because I was like, oh, I vaguely know that. Oh, yeah. And I'm a reader. I'm a reader. And yet I got nothing. Avid reader. I was surprised by that, honestly. I would have thought you would have found his books. uh, as a some, child. Yes, at some turning point. There's there's books that if you miss them, the window is shut. Yes, it is. And Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I read just at the perfect time. Yes. Which, what was the perfect time for you, May For inquire? me, it was late, too. It okay. was 19. Oh, I like that. I yeah. tried it in middle school and I got through it, but then mm-hmm. I got it in college. Well, that's it, yeah. because you have to celebrate sarcasm mm-hmm. to like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And then, but you also have to be a little bit of smarty magoo, I think. Yeah. To get sort of the, uh, the irony and the sociopolitical. What's a word that isn't sarcastic, but it's a step away from sincere? It's like sincere about something false. Hitchhiker's oh. Guide does that so well. An, an excellent like, work. You know, yeah, I guess it's an analogy or a metaphor that I'm, uh, that I'm talking about. Like right. what, you I know, can't the remember what I, guide would there be. There has to be a word for that and I just can't remember what I don't that know what word it is might either. be. Somebody's going to type it in the comments section somewhere. Right. Feel free to email me. 
what that word is. I know that you know. Okay. <laughs> so my dorkdom that I'm bringing to the table, uh, is an author that I found at just the right time. Which and then, was? Uh, right, like six. Okay. Like, Six Probably, yeah, six-ish to nine were the formative times. That and then, sounds about right. That's when I, as a fan, emerged. Like, my fanhood started to take shape, and I really went nuts, into, like, through high school. Uh, and so current, cur- currently, yeah. you were still thinking about it. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. And that uh, person's Roald Dahl. Rolled, 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 Ronald, Ronald, Ronald. I went with Rolled. I hear, that's all I hear most of the time. Roll up. Willy Wonka. Yeah, right? Willy Wonka and the Charlie Factory and Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, the follow up novel, which is also excellent. Uh, uh, James, and James and, and the, the Giant, Giant Peach and the BFG and the Witches. Okay. And Trots. People sleep on that one, but it's great. And, uh, <laughs> Pally and the, the Giraffe why? and. Wait, uh, what's the one people sleep on? What's it called? Oh, Esiotrot. It's just a cute, shorter, uh, children's book about, uh, a little tortoise. It's tortoise backwards. Oh, it's tortoise backwards. Oh, it's tortoise yeah. backwards. Mm-hmm. That's a so good it one. is. Oh, Fantastic Mixer Fox is his. Oh, I, um, saw, I saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a very cute movie. The movie yeah. is different from the book, and it was the only modern adaptation whose changes didn't make me furious. They okay. made me a little bit angry, but they didn't make me furious. So that right. was nice. Well, Tim the, Burton's, it was Tim Burton, right? That no, did West, the other Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I, I can barely remember because I only watched it once, and it was through like a film of white hot rage. I don't right. know if you can really see a movie through the, fla- like just white and flames. And stick it out. Uh, yeah. yeah. I can. It was uh, terrible. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. So, That's but, a series I don't know as well, so I don't know the compromises they made to turn that into a film. It's Well, it, and it's blessed because it's a really good m- movie. Right. But it's not a great adaptation uh, yes. for me. And, uh, but that's oh. just for me because other people like it. They like it better than The Hobbit, but I like The Hobbit adaptation better than The Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It is weird. And I've read all of them. But here's the good news about all adaptations into movies. They're still books. Yeah. You, you could just still, read them. Yeah. Isn't that fun? <laughs> They're available. I, that's what I They don't liked. take the books away when they make the movie. They that's not the them. common policy. <laughs> they don't just <laughs> remove every coffee. Right. Exactly. We're done with the books now. Yeah. It's only this version. This is what we have. I do like the original version. Willy Wonka a great deal. Oh yeah, me too. I have, of course, I have a huge soft spot for that. And how, how does that hold up compared to the? Book? I actually still watch it a lot because it has a great riff tracks with Neil Patrick Harris and Mike Nelson. So I will rewatch that at the. It's I've fallen asleep to that movie. I fall asleep to Mystery Science Theater 3000 just about every night, or a byproduct of it, either oh. a cinematic Titanic or a riff tracks. Right. Uh, it's something, can is I tell you a soothing? romantic story? Do you want a Please. romantic, tangential I, story? I do want a romantic This is so gross. <laughs> I have a sweet lady. I love my sweet lady very much. We lived apart for a year when she was still in the Bay and I had moved down here to LA and we found this website that we both like. And if you are a fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000, then check out clubmst3k.com. It's got links to every episode and it's a cute little MST3K community commenting to each other about episodes. It's all adorable. Yeah. One little feature they have is a counter for how many people are watching that episode right now. Oh, so weird. we're both nightbirds. We'll go to sleep at 3 a.m. and we're texting like gross little lovebirds like, well, what do you want to watch tonight? I don't know. How about Mitchell? And then we'll go on and maybe we're the only two watching. And maybe we know that only two people are watching that because episode right MST now. And it's the Club two of us. Club MST3K. And, you're, you're like, oh, there's just... and how do they get that number? I have no idea, but I somehow I decided I trust it. Because okay. it was, it was, it gave us our five all under the same stars moment, so we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> and why would they lie? Why would they? <laughs> there's, uh, there's nothing in it for them. But yeah, that's if that's a thing I, I love very much. So Willy Wonka does have a riff tracks, and I've watched it many, many times, and it holds up marvelously because it's always absurd. Like Doll's World holds up because it was a pretty it's a snapshot of a place in time. You can't really pull his stories out of their context. If you make an adaptation of a doll thing, you have to put it right where he wrote it. Uh, really. 
I think so. I mean, it's part of why you can't make like how people like update Shakespeare. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying you can't if you can update Shakespeare. Of course, you can update a doll. <laughs> and people have like Four Rooms has a doll story that is at a, it, that you've seen a bunch of times probably. What's if Four you Rooms? ever Four Rooms is that movie directed by four different directors. It's a movie about a hotel, and there's one bellhop running between each of these four stories directed by okay. four different popular directors. I know it was Tarantino, Rodriguez, and then somebody else, and somebody else, and, uh, and somebody yeah. else. And I think it was Rodriguez that did a, um, I believe the story is called A Man from the South. And The Man from the South story is about a young strapping dude sitting by a pool snapping his lighter yep. and a mysterious guy who bets him that he won't be able to strike that lighter ten times in a row. And the stakes are very high. It is a fancy jaguar that the oh. creepy guy owns versus the little pinky of the left hand of oh, the Jesus. strapping young buck. And that story has been adapted for, uh, I saw it first on The Twilight Zone, okay. I think, and then, or Alfred Hitchcock wanted to, I forget, and it doesn't matter. It's in black and white, and it's old, and it was Nick at Nighty, and it's in right. brain somewhere deep in there. And then it was in four rooms. Boy, am I glad I didn't get you coffee. Right? Go. Yeah, I talk fast. Yeah. Well, it's nice. Uh, it's not on one and a half speed, everybody. This is just naturally. <laughs> right. And the weird thing is, is people say I talk fast. So well, this is awesome. I hear that all the time and I'm just not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. You're just going. You can. Which is great. <laughs> so wait. So. Uh, okay. He made a whole bunch of short stories that are for adults. And those have been adapted many times and in when different. Did he, when did he write? Who, he, who the hell is he? That's a good question. And he wrote a memoir that answers some of those questions <laughs> called Boy. And another B-O-Y? one, B-O-Y, another one called Going Solo. And those two books are some are on my short list of favorite reads ever. Oh, wow. Boy is a beautiful memoir of childhood. And, uh. Oh, really? Yeah, it's exceptional. And it, it, I mean. Like a Norman Rockwell childhood? Like no, a sort of like a, a terrible, bl- if you read Doll, Doll is a master at knowing exactly how dark children are. Yeah. His books are evil and gross and terrible things happen to children and adults mm-hmm. and they're weirdly mm-hmm. violent. Yeah. Uh, but it is never beyond a child's capacity or a child's imagination to comprehend. Yeah. It's well, it's exactly digestible. I don't, that's such a skill and young that's adults an use skill. literature blows my mind because that's a, an amazing line to walk. Yeah. But he does it so, so well. What? Okay. So his, so boy is boy. about his childhood. Yeah. Little tiny what, tot. What was it? What? How? So what years? Uh, How old is he? I want to say he's like thing. my grandpa's age, like nineteen fourteen ish is okay. when he was born. And I can I can subtly look at my phone while I continue to babble about Roald Dahl uh, to give you that actual answer. But no, he sorry. uh he was old enough to go to Africa and write about he. So he went to boarding school. He oh man, how to start? So he's British. Yes, <laughs> he's so British and he's, also Norwegian. Uh, okay. I believe his dad was a Brit and his mom was Norwegian. I believe okay. uh, his dad. It's just from that era where everything sucked, always. Like, they were kind of well off. They were doing okay, but yeah. there was no medicine. Booze was the only anesthetic. Like, nothing right. was good. His <laughs> father, when his father was 14, tumbles off a roof, loses his arm, spends the rest of his life eating with this multi-purpose utensil that's a spork with a sharpened edge. Right. Which is a, a metaphor for how that's how you solve problems then. Right. You don't make it like it was. You don't get an arm back. <laughs> that's not common. You no. sharpen a goddamn spoon. <laughs> exactly. And you, you stab. And you keep going. Shuffle your gruel. You get it. Tap your you gristle it. with it. Exactly. Was there gruel and gristle? Yeah, I imagine that's what his dad ate. I can't confirm that, but it's in my mind. Okay. And then when Doll was a kid, they, automobiles were brand new. His sister's driving one. They have regular glass everywhere. Yeah. They're right, not right. made not safety glass to survive in. No. And of course they crash. And of course, Roald Dahl goes flying through the window at seven. His nose just sliced right off his face. 
Wait, just dangling no by nose. a piece of skin. They sewed it back on. They brought right. him to a kitchen table, brought a drunk doctor out, strapped him down, sewed his nose on. Good luck, kid. Yuck. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, that's Then he goes a lot. to Norway, which he did every summer, and he vividly sure. describes this visit to like the dentist, doctor, barber, whatever the <laughs> fuck they had. Right, veterinarian. And adenoids, if you have them, unpleasant thing, you get them removed. They're little lumps in your throat, make it hard to swallow or breathe or whatever. Okay. There's like a procedure for that now. Polyps? Are different from adenoids? I think so. Okay. Uh, I would, we don't know. In we're, my we're not med- medical. According to my medical <laughs> diving, yeah, yes. They're different. They are different. But he, ha- he describes his own boy, you know, now what that would happen, or he doesn't describe now, but now what would happen is you get time off work, you get anesthetic, you get yeah. gauze, you get sterile things. Right. Then he goes in, he doesn't know what's wrong, nobody tells him what's happening, he just sits in a chair, and the doctor's like, well, we're going to get these out, like wipes off a scalpel and just whoop, whoop. Like, cuts these limbs out of his gosh darn mouth, and they come spill it out into a little spit bowl, and he could see him, and nobody told him it was coming. That's the childhood that informed the kind of writing that was to come from Roald Dahl. Holy fuck. So that's the childhood he describes. He goes to boarding school, he gets the shit kicked out of him. Uh, I swear a lot. Because he's tiny. Well, he's tiny, and it's just mean. Every social group, it's weird English social shit, where if you're younger, older kids get to kick the shit out of you, and that's Mm -hmm. just how it goes. And he read an article that said that the word nerd was not a real word until John Hughes movies, and nobody, and and then Andy said, did you ever get beat up when you were a kid uh, because you were a nerd? And I said, and I couldn't think of any time when anyone called me a nerd right. or a dork or a geek or anything, but I remember being beaten up a fair amount of times, but I think that was just childhood. Right. Yeah. That's just, just being a child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, children beat up other children. Yeah. It turns that was, out. Into, in, in this case, it was institutionalized. And it was institutionalized. The system for beating children was well established with established. rules and codes. And it was codified by the school. If you wow. were uh, like a younger kid, you were a steward or something to the older kids. And he describes all this. He describes having to go out in the winter to the outdoor restrooms that they had all poop in and warm the frozen seat for his for his like, dude little master kid dude and then right. go make his toast and then go roll a cigarette there's everything he had to do you know until you're become that age and then you're supposed you to be have, that person right and then you get a kid like that and you got to make that kid do yeah. that th- those things and he doesn't it, i think that's also something that informed his character and his writing later on he's he sees hypocrisy or injustice in a situation and has no taste for it. Right. Uh, it doesn't mean he won't benefit for it. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have some controversial views because he does. We can get to that. Okay. But he graduates from school um, and winds up taking a job with Shell and going to colonial Shell. Africa. Oh, British colonial Africa. Yeah. And he traveled kind of all over, but in anywhere like British 30s. colony. Yeah. In the late 30s. Wow. So... He spends a lot of time there. He writes about that and going solo. But then the war starts. Yeah. And he's a Brit. And he's called to round up Germans. And that begins his service in World War II, which continues until he becomes a fighter pilot at 6'6", which is bananas. Uh, What's 6'6"? He's six foot tall. He's six foot six. Oh, geez. So being a fighter pilot... It's like, that's like, that's too tall. Yeah, that's me fitting in an airplane seat. That's unjust that you can't do that. That's what? not, that's weird. He must have passed the test with flying colors or something. I mean, yeah, and they take, you know, if you're capable and you're willing to endure the cramps, they'll just let you do it. Right, but 6'6, six, six, that guy could punch people. Right? Yeah, he could, I mean, he could be an infantry dude, I guess, but instead he just flew with his, you know, knees around his ears. <laughs> Uh, for four years? Five years? He flew from a bunch and he got shot down not once but twice. Wow. Yeah. And recovered, uh, and wound up in New York, uh, you know, short circuiting a few things, right. uh, telling this story at lunch to, uh, I want, I forget what magazine the person worked for, 
But the guy just said, write this down. And he did, and he submitted it, and that story is called Piece of Cake, and it's the first writing that he did as a professional, and it just started this deluge. He'd been a letter writer his whole life, but he took this kind of collective memory and sense of the world and uh, sort of determination to craft it all into something and started writing. He wrote a book called The Gremlins, which the 1984 movie is said to be very loosely based on, but it's about little gremlins that appear on planes. It's like a... Oh, weird. He was like making a lighthearted fantasy of a very terrifying vision pilots would have while flying. Oh, okay. Because they see things. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're he, up yeah. where there's no air. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's weird. Speaking of rarefied. And uh, so, th- okay. Wow. Then this cool thing happens. What cool thing happens so next? There's been a kid who goes to Norway a bunch. He flew through a windshield. He lost his nose. He goes back to school. He gets the, he gets kicked the, he gets kicked around all the time. He goes to Africa. He goes to war. He goes to New York. And then the uh, people are still – when he was in New York, he found – he was in there in some window while the Brits were fighting and Americans were not yet fighting in World War II. And okay. it, British intelligence was trying to use him to pull Americans closer to involvement. And the way he was uh, <laughs> sent out to do that was to be a Lothario. He essentially uh, – oh, oh, he was seducing people. Yes. He was part of this pack of like – British. Fancy, intelligent <laughs> men of just the right age who had just been who to have war, so we're all fucked, like just messed up in the head enough to manipulate people and also maybe pretty physically built. And he right. just went out and banged every wealthy or uh, uh, bride or mistress of anyone with secrets he could find and just got as much information as he could. And he's wow. not the only famous person that's done this. The story is out there about a few people. Wow. Uh it just was, it's. And so it's 1940 and he's doing this. Yeah. This would be 40, 41. Yeah. Yeah. Before Pearl, Pearl Harbor, Harbor, obviously. Yeah. Weird. So he's, he's known as, as quite a coxman. Okay. And then he just keeps writing. And I mean, I know nothing. Uh, when I found Matilda, I didn't know who he this guy Matilda? was. He wrote Matilda. <laughs> and he wrote the BFG. And I don't know if I said that already, but you those did. would have been the first two that I found when I was a kid in like when elementary like school. First grade. First yeah. and second grade. Huh. And I mean, Caitlin, little Caitlin. Was not good at being little. I mm-hmm. hated being a kid. I was bad at being a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm in my 30s now, and this is my time to shine, baby. <laughs> this is so nice. Forget elementary school. Right? Uh, that is not what you were looking for. I just had this sense that stuff was more messed up than people were letting on. And these little pains, that or like pain that I felt or things that I was sensitive to was real, even though they tell you, you know, don't worry about it or you're a kid, you don't understand. There's just this sense yeah, that yeah. stuff's a miss. And Doll's right. work taps directly into that kid. If you're okay. that kid and you read Matilda, Matilda has terrible parents, and they are bad. They're, They're not bad redeemable. They're, They're she is right. Her situation is not good. What is her situation? Her parents. Spoiler are, alert: We're going to talk about a book that was written a hundred years yeah, ago. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is so, the story of Matilda? Matilda's this little girl. How do I not know this? Uh, it's, whatever. It, Matilda is a, a a little girl brought up by parents indifferent to their kids. They have one son who's uh, just kind of a, a shitty dude, takes after dad, and they're fine with him. Mm-hmm. But Matilda is a quiet, intelligent, bright girl, and okay. these people want to. Eat eat and watch TV. They don't want anything to do with their with, children. Yeah. Their children at all. Anything they need is a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Uh, her dad's crooked, a crooked car salesman. Okay. Her mom plays bingo every day and leaves her alone. 
Wow. So at three, she just starts toddling down to the public library and starts reading everything in the world. She reads okay. and reads and reads, and her parents basically don't notice. They forget to send her to school. They finally send her to this terrible school uh, <laughs> called Crunchum Hall, where Mrs. Trunchbull is the <laughs> evil uh, headmistress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she finds – and all that stuff is bad, and all those people are bad, and yeah. she's right to be afraid. And then she finds a person that she can and should trust – her teacher. One, she finds a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the, uh, meanwhile, Matilda's been discovering that her intellect goes beyond just her mind. She begins to, her frustration begins to manifest in true power. She moves things. She does things with her mind. She moves what? stuff around. She's she has this extra power. She's a little telekinesis stuff. She's a superhero. So she manages to use her powers for good. Another lesson to learn. Whether they super or not, use your powers for good. Always. If your intuition tells you you're in a bad situation, you're right, even if you're a kid. And if R-U-M. your intuition tells you that you can trust someone, they might just be good. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. some people are really good. Some people are decent. It's in a dark world. Out. In a dark world, it's fine. There's and, plenty of good people, and you can trust your, your heart. Yeah. Yeah. BFG, too. Uh, BFG, yeah. Sophie, the little orphan girl Sophie. in an orphanage. Yep. Uh, sees a, a giant, a literal giant with a trumpet sticking it in people's windows. Yeah. Giant sees her. Giant mm-hmm. can't be seen. Giant mm-hmm. takes her. And runs her off to Giant Land. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Giant's kind of stuck because he can't really take this person who knows about her back. Uh, but also every other giant eats people. Ah. So she's in a dangerous situation. She has to be brave, figure out who to trust. She has to use her wits. Just, right. You know, he writes... Is yes, there a new movie coming girls. out? BFG came out last year and it was really good. I liked it. Okay. The effects, eh, they were fine. But the story, I thought they nailed. The they spirit did. of it was oh, really good. good. Then that's fine. There you go. I don't understand. What was I reading when I was six? I know. Dan Frontier. Okay. It's great. And a lot of dog books, a lot of horse books. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. A British colonial as well. Okay. But, uh, so this guy, so he writes Matilda and BFG. Those yeah. are for kind of for little kids. Yeah. Those are there are other ones are for little kids? Yeah. Uh, a, a whole bunch of them. Uh, the Twits, uh, is about, Oh shoot, that's kind of about a kid and an evil set of, it's all about kids and evil families. So right, it's James right. and the Giant Peach. Um, what, yeah, James and the Giant Peach, which I also have not seen. Yeah. Uh, which was also a movie, and I understand they did a pretty good job with they that. They did a great job. It's beautiful. Okay. And it's, a, it's an early one. I think it's like 96 or something. So okay. it's that time when practical and like animation effects were at a, it's an interesting point to look back at. It okay. looks pretty great. I like it. Looks it looks great? Yeah. Oh, good. Good, um, good. And that's a sweet story. Mm-hmm. It's also about. Is it about a giant, a, a boy with a giant. It is piece about of a boy fruit? with a giant f- piece of fruit. Yeah. <laughs> what, basically. That's the whole tale? It's I his think. magic escape, essentially, from a rough family life is just, traveling around on this crazy peach. Uh, right. Yeah. Is, do any, do any of these parents just have one arm and a sharpened spork? No, I don't think that's so. I'm best. not sure that he was working out issues about his parents. I think he was also kind of a shitty husband and maybe a tough dad to have. Oh, wow. Like his wife, uh, shit, I hope I'm getting everybody's name right, but I want to say that was Patricia O'Neill wound up having a stroke and rolled all his, like the reputation is basically that her, he rehabilitated, rehabilitated her by like bullying her and walking again. And it oh, works okay. and she recovers and then he leaves and marries someone else, like, <laughs> He's uh, a distant guy. He's a tough, like, you know. Right. He's part of that generation of men like my grandfather whose life heaped traumas upon them and gave them no tools or equipment to unpack any of that weight. Right. So I bet he was a lot to be around. Yeah. And if he is writing about a parent and a parent's issues, you know, it's so visceral and it's so clear. He's writing about himself. He's not unpacking something mysterious about his that own happened. life. Yeah. Oh, he it's, flushed it's, that out in a memoir. Okay. I think every evil character is a little it's bit himself. of him. And every good character is his kids. Oh, really? That's my guess. Okay. Wow. Like, I, Danny, I, I don't mind you, that. 
he he randomly because why not he had a gypsy caravan and in that's that became his like writing palace and in that gypsy caravan he wrote a story about a very sweet dad and a very sweet boy called Danny the Champion of the World okay uh and I think that story has such a very sweet heart about it. Yeah. That I think that might have been a good time for Dahl. He had a daughter that died and he like forsake his faith as a result and stuff. Wow. Got unsurprisingly dark because everything with Dahl is dark. Right. But something like Danny the Champion of the World is like much lighter. Okay. Still a dark book. There's still odds. A, but must have been a good couple of years is what you're saying. That's, I, I would hope. Or right. uh, if, he's, if he does write about himself, this is Caitlin's conjecture. This is Caitlin's right. corner. <laughs> this is not me. I'm Welcome not quoting Caitlin's Dahl. conjecture. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know. If he writes about himself as a parent and other parents, then yeah. maybe that that dad he wrote is a good version of himself. Okay, yeah, I think that a lot about a lot of like people I admire too. Like I'm not a Woody Allen fan, but I'm not mad at anybody who is. I guess like yeah. you know some of the people we admire probably have really challenging aspects of their personality, which right. is a good time to mention that Dahl said some really shitty things about Jews. Oh, did yeah. Yes. Oops. Oops. Uh, hey, he a- also said some really shitty things about Christians. But guess who hadn't been killed in the Holocaust in the last 10 years? Christians. Exactly. So it really resonates more when you come for Jews, especially the way he did. He got After real sassy. Post World War II, much like my aunt and all the, my great aunt and all of my great parent relative things. Mm-hmm. Just, there's a streak of Brits who have real virulent, weird anti-Israel sentiment from that time period. If you were the right age, experienced mm-hmm. the right things in World War II, you just come out on the other side with this bitterness. It's real hard to shake. Um, oops, sorry. And he oh, made uh, a few statements that if people hear that I'm talking about Dahl and they're like, forget that guy. He said oh. some terrible things. You know right. what? Yeah, you you can do that. That's fine. He just he was he had anti-Semitic comments or anti-Semitic, but not actions. And not actions. He surrounded himself with like everyone who he worked with or for was Jewish. And also, quick reminder: RAF fighter f- pilot who shot down Nazi planes, right, and fell from the sky not once but twice. Went right. back out to do it. Right, right. I thought a lot about impact versus intent, which is something that if you're thinking about social justice right now, you should be thinking about. Your impact matters more than your intent. If you said something shitty, but you didn't mean anything by it, and right. it still offended someone, that impact matters more than your good intentions. Right. But also, if you're a dude with weird views, or who <laughs> says something crappy about... He's a contrarian who wants to make people mad. So if you're willing to do that stuff, and that's your intention, mm-hmm. what's your impact? And if your impact is also that you are an RF fighter shut right. down Nazis, it's it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. Complicated and guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'd be remiss not to say that I know that, and it's a bummer, and I have a tattoo of Roald Dahl on my ankle, which we can also talk about, but if somebody wants to call me out on that like well, aspect of his personality, I, 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 I can't argue with that. I don't know anybody who doesn't have feet of clay. You yeah. Know? I mean, especially – I mean – now we know everything, every Twitter, right. every tweet that everybody's ever said and with some crummy comment that you've made mm-hmm. in life and bad life decision. So when you look back on some of these people, it doesn't it's it's too glib to say you can't you can support you can separate the artist from the art. Right. It's I think that that has been used glibly um, or ghibli. It's a hello. Uh, I love those movies. Anyway, so he also tells you in his writing who he thinks villains are and they are duplicitous, manipulative people. He Mm -hmm. tells you in his writing and then he he writes them of all stripes. He doesn't, you know, he tells and they are. He's not saying that that all all white Christians are the devil. 
he's he's saying that I don't like some white Christians because right. they're full of shit. Right. Yes. Yes. And so he, he I think he does a pretty good job of explaining himself, especially in his short stories. There's this television series in the UK that I didn't find out about until I was a grown ass woman, even though I was a huge fan as a kid. Because mm-hmm. if you didn't have the internet at the right age, you didn't know what was on in British television unless it was not. on PBS. PBS. Yeah. Then they didn't, as far as I know, show Tales of the Unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which are all ironically Tales. a little bit predictable, but that aside, <laughs> um, a little expected. Yeah, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, weird topics, unexpected <laughs> topics, unexpected guest stars, but most of the time expected outcomes. Most yeah. of the time, tales pretty expected. Uh, okay, but they're those are his short stories written for adults mainly, and they're um, I think in those especially it's it, comparable to a Twilight Zone or for you kids out there a Black Mirror. It's an anthology series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he, uh, everybody's bad plan comes back to bite him. Every, in that show, everybody, or in those stories, uh, there's comeuppance. His show stories are so excellent. His omnibus is great. Tales of No Expected. Skin is another collection. So many good collections of short stories and they're all so good. But one of those themes is like, what you, you reap what you sow. Yeah. And it, some of them are just weird and fantastic. And, uh, some of them are, are short and very grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it seems very prolific. Oh, he wrote a ton. Yeah. Yeah. It's My Uncle Oswald is kind of his I haven't found that one yet. It's like a I don't know how it got re released or if I just missed it or something. But he didn't write a ton of novels for adults. That was one of them though. Yeah. Lots and lots of short stories though. Very satisfying plain reads. I recommend it. Oh, okay. Good for a half hour of total absorption and then a unnecessary interruption won't come as a terrible surprise to you oh, in a plot turning moment. That's a, do you usually read short stories or do you read, uh, novels? I do enjoy a short story. I like all, I like reading. I don't do enough of it. Mm -hmm. And that frustrates me because I enjoy it of all types. I'm currently working on Studs Terkel's Working, uh, which is a beautiful book about the Studs Terkel just interviews, uh, people about their jobs. Okay. And is Studs Terkel? His real name? Yeah. Oh man, Studs. Studs is amazing. <laughs> Have Guy Branham on to talk about Studs. I couldn't do it justice. I couldn't okay. possibly, but he could. Studs Turkle is uh, obviously an author. Yeah. A oh television my. personality. Yeah, he's amazing. He's a, a very prolific and wonderful author about uh, American history, American life, life in general. He's an incredible figure. Okay. He's very, very cool. Okay. I would, I, I wanna, I don't even wanna step on it. He's so cool and I couldn't possibly mine all the details for you, but oh right. my goodness. Uh, Find Guy someone Branham who could. knows studs. Yeah, okay. Guy Brandon, have a special studs episode for Guy. <laughs> he would go nuts. He, alright. I well, love him. So, yeah. I will. His I will writing initiate. is terrific. And okay. if you like him, don't worry, he wrote 462 million books. So you can, <laughs> you're never done reading Stud Circle. Wow. Is, st- is his name? No. His nickname his name is, is Stud. No, his name is Studs Turkle. Lewis Studs Turkle. <laughs> it's a, hey, if you, if you wear studs, wear, you know, wear. Yeah. It. Why? Why, why would you, why would you re, so my experience with Roald Dahl mm-hmm. is essentially Willy Wonka. Yeah. So let me ask you about Willy Wonka. Yeah. Real briefly. Yeah. Cause I love Willy Wonka. Uh-huh. And, um, me too. How was the, I've never read the book. Oh, so good. The Chocolate Factory. So good. Right. Charlie and the Chocolate. So Factory. you've seen the 1971 motion picture. I have. 73? I forget. But the yeah. 1970s one. Yep. The Gene Wilder motion picture. I have also seen the Johnny Depp motion picture. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, I see what they did. Yeah. And, and it, it was fine, but it was it. not for me. So unnecessary. It was, yeah. Okay, I, let's take a perfectly written story and then write another story into it. 
Yeah, it was a weird. I didn't understand why. I didn't get it. The, did they don't, don't make anything. that movie? Don't make Charlie's. You make another movie call, yeah. about a factory that yeah. makes candy. You don't actually have to make Willy Wonka you if that's yeah. not the movie you want to right, make. Right, right. And so, is it true to the book? Uh, the first one is, yeah, relatively true to the book and moves at a very similar pace. So the first part, you know, Charlie, um, and of has, course I've seen the movie. Has a bunch of so, grandparents who live in a bed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All four grandparents <laughs> live in the same bed, uh, in the same tiny little house and they eat basically boiled cabbage. Mm-hmm. The loaf of bread is a luxury. Um, All right. And they, there's, uh, there are songs in the book as well. The Oompa Loompa songs from the movie are in the book. The Oompa Loompa oh, doobity doo. That's cool. The riddle for you. Yeah, all that is, is written out for that's, you. That's his as well. Yeah. Okay. Those are real. And I think he actually wrote that screenplay, or he's credited as a writer on that screenplay. Okay. So uh, he must have done at least a pass or something. Yeah. Yeah, because he didn't die until, what, the 80s? Yeah, I wanna, or early 90s, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, I think. Yeah. I should make sure, but I want to say that's like a 93 sort of situation. I could be wrong about that. That'll happen. He was old for a long time. He was old for a long time. And what, uh, wow. All right. So what about, what about the different kids at the, gro- at the, at the factory? Were each oh. of those? Yeah. 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 So those are all the five winners, the five winners of the golden tickets mm-hmm. that Wonka plants in his chocolate bars to mm-hmm. bring kids to the chocolate factory, uh, for a once of a lifetime tour. Yes. Uh, those are all the kids, Mike TV and Violet Beauregard. And, uh, Overrook Assault mm-hmm. and, oh, Augustus Gloop and Charlie. Mm. I think right. I got them all. And those are, all their vices are obvious. Augustus is a glutton. Right. And Veruca is a, is a bratty rich kid. And, and they're have, all in the book too? They're all in the book. Yeah. And it's the same vices and the same fate befalls them. So they all, like, it's Veruca does sit on the, on the golden goose collector thing right. and she's a bad egg mm-hmm. and gum chewing violet beauregard man she just mm-hmm. can't resist and eats that full meal gum yep uh yeah <laughs> my tv does try to be blasted into the tv and winds up real tiny and has to real go get stretched gets stretched good lord and the this same is- kind of thing where charlie gives them all the gobstopper uh as a little test and uh or sorry wonka does and yeah. charlie gives it back yeah Okay, Charlie's so, a good kid. So that's how it closes as well. Yeah, and they do give him the... Well, they the take factory. off in the Great Glass Elevator. Yeah. And uh, Wonka says, Charlie, the factory is yours. It happens. But the Great Glass Elevator doesn't stop going. And the next book is about their adventures flying around in, a in glass space ele- in the glass elevator. In and travel. They go to space. They do. What? Yeah, it's pretty good. I like that one, too. Is that one pretty great? It's pretty great. Do they run into other people yeah. and have adventures? Yeah. Is that the deal? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. That sounds fascinating. It's worth it. Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. All right. Yeah. Excellent follow-up, in my opinion. Well played. Well, nice work on the sequel. Yeah. Obviously a very popular book, so he was encouraged to write a sequel. Did he write any other sequels? That's a good question. Uh, no, I think just going solo to Boy. I think just the sequel yeah. to his memoir. Okay. And so what are your in, – in the do you read them pretty much like I read Lord of the Rings like every year? Yeah, there are one or two. I just watched Matilda and I've read Matilda and the BFG again recently because you read them in like, a, you know, it takes a day. They're quick. Yeah. Uh, those are the How two. How long is oh, Matilda? I meant is to it bring like it. I found my battered copy of Matilda from my elementary school days with green highlighter on the front cover, but I meant to bring it and I forgot oh, it. Uh, that happened. But it's, yeah, I still will leaf through How those. How many pages is it, Matilda? Probably like 200-ish, 220 or something. Okay, so it's a, it's, it's, it's a, a real it's book. It's a chapter book. Yeah, it's a chapter book. Illustrations, bigger type or whatever. It's a kid's yeah, chapter but book, a kid's but it's chapter. a chapter book. Okay. Yeah. 
I was a nerd and I was reading like Sue Grafton's alphabet mysteries in like third and fourth grade. I was a big nerd about reading. Sure. Uh, those weren't appropriate. No, they were not. <laughs> no, but they are, they are much not. like the television I watched that was inappropriate. I didn't get what was inappropriate about it. I right. watched Blazing Saddles at that same age. There's right. jokes that that movie is perfect and that it is two movies, one for yes. children and that who maybe should be cautioned not to use some of the language that they put yes. forward in the film. Uh, and the other for when you are no longer a child. Yes. Rocky the, and Bullwinkle, less controversial choice. How's that? Very nice work. It's uh, the, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think when the first time I read something that was clearly just out of my, out of my ballpark. Oh yeah. And it had to be the John Jake series. Oh. 1776. Yeah. 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 And there was so, it was, it was just murder and, and, mm-hmm. and sex and all these things. And you're like, well, that, I'm 11. I'm going to need at least a year and a half before I'm I'm really into this. Right. And I remember, oh, just, there's just, I think that is what inspired, I read, my mother, my stepmother was reading them and I would, I would borrow them and she's like, I don't know. And (laughs) and so I read them and then I wasn't killed. So, I mean, you you, did good. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing about books is you you get what you get out of them anyway. So if you're 11 and you're reading The Chosen, you're going to get kind of that it's a fun coming of age story. It's going to be fine. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about Palestine and Israel and all these. My sister was reading it when she was 11 or 12. Yeah. And uh, and she got some guff for it. And uh, there was some anti-Semitic teacher at our junior high who called my parents and said. I think every junior high just has one of those by a quota. Why wouldn't they? And, but my, I remember my dad taking the call and going, uh, it was from the principal who said that she was reading something inappropriate and that the teacher had turned her in or something. And so my dad goes, Darla, what are you reading? And so she brought him the chosen. He goes, what is it? And she said, it's just a, just it's a, a book, book about a boy growing up and he's got another friend. And, and, uh, and he goes, it's not porn. And he says, no. And so my dad is still on the phone with the, the principal and goes, Hey, uh, it's not porn. So we're uh, good here. We're good. Yeah. Uh, she's reading. Shut up. <laughs> Leave her alone. <laughs> yeah, that's a gold star is that's actually a, what she that, gets. That's a win. Not a controversial, god damn it. Just a, a, a happy face sticker. Happy, a happy face, face sticker. sticker. Let's stick it. We'll go with that. Oh, right. No star. Yeah, no gold stars. No Gosh, gold stars. I'm really just landmining myself everywhere. <laughs> this is a highlight of, oh man. Right. Oh man. Oh, boo. But I say this is, uh, I'm, okay, so what should I read first? Should I read Matilda first? Yeah, read Matilda first. Okay. I think that's a perfect intro. And the BFG is a close second for me. Uh, but I mean, I don't think you can go wrong. Right. The short stories are great once you have a taste for what he's up to. Yeah. Um, so, and, cause they're easier to, to recognize once you're, and if you run out of the novels. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're amazing. But yeah. I also loved his tone and a sort of aesthetic before I picked them up. So if they were my first introduction, I don't know what my impression would be. Right. But, uh, but it, yeah, but I think if Matilda grabs your heart and then you're, you're, you're just... I've always wanted to read them. I, I read, uh, the Narnia series and yeah. it was too late. And mm, it was, fair. uh, but I was just like, and, and there had been some anger. Someone <laughs> told me that there was too much Christian symbol. Uh, oh and, yeah. And I had read all of, um, his later stuff. Mm. So I had read Out of the Silent Planet and his space trilogy, C.S. Lewis. And then I tried to read Narnia and I was like, well, it's I don't, hard to go back. I don't get it. Yeah. So, but this I think I could get because it's, they're, they're, they're children's books. Yeah. So yeah. I, they won't be anything but oh, that for me. The witches. How can I forget the witches? Yeah. What's I the witches? I also recommend the witches. Uh, aside from an amazing movie with Angelica Houston, it is, uh, what? Yeah. They made oh. that a movie and it's so good. It's just a really sweet, uh, weirder story. Also oh, dark. fun. I love that one. That one's great. Okay. Well, maybe I'll, cause, um, 
right now, uh, post election, I've probably spent $200 on romance novels. Oh, I bought I a have, dog. Did you get a dog? I got a dog. <laughs> what kind of dog did you get? I have a dog. It's assembled dogs. It's a tiny little mutt, five pound mutt. Looks like oh. a Sheltie. Oh, f- 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 a short-haired Sheltie, if that's a thing. Looks like a short-haired Sheltie. So you went to the pound and got a dog. Yeah, I got essentially. a from like a, yeah. like a thing. Yeah, you're just like, dog. what do you, you got an extra dog? Oh, you do? I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that dog. Yeah. And then I'll cuddle that yep. dog. And that'll be fun for all of us. Yeah. I, I literally got an emotional support animal. That's, that's <laughs> well, been my response. That's the service that they are to be, uh, that's the service they have created. Indeed. So, uh, are we go- driving it home here? Do you want a button? N- you well, well. I'm sorry. We're we're we got 20 minutes. Oh my god! I thought I the way I no no rather terrific. Well, what else is, you got? What else you got? The witches. A, the witches. Oh man, the movie. Yeah, the book is incredible. Yeah, the witches. Little kid, of course. Uh, spoiler alert: parents dead within 10 pages because <laughs> he's like Spielberg and Paralum early and a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, <laughs> so he goes to live with his grandmother. Peril. And his grandmother knows all about witches because witches are real. They're everywhere. And grandma's had a run-in or two with them. How do you know? Because grandma's missing a thumb. Oh, another more, more people. Yeah, more losing. digits or limbs. Yeah, gone. Uh, that that's a callback to his childhood. Pretty sure. Yeah, uh, that sounds right. So is she? Is, is his grandmother nice? Grandma's totally nice. Grandma's oh, cool. on his side. But grandma gets a little sick. They have to take a little vacation to the seaside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and witches it, follow her around. I bet. Well, I mean, they accidentally followed the witches. So of course, they're in the same hotel as the Grand Conference of Witches with the Grand Thai Witch, <laughs> which. Oh, I want to read that one too. It's so good. And of course, our, our little boy, whose name I can't remember right now, somebody else will squat, somebody is driving and listening to this and fearing off the road yelling this kid's name, but right. it's, uh, that he winds up fresh in the mix with the witches. Okay. And watch out. If you end up hanging out with a witch for too long, you might just become a mouse. Oh, a mouse. Kid turns into a mouse. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Mouse Talk. I would feel bad for spoiling that for you, except it's in the trailer of the movie. So even okay. if you haven't seen the book or, or seen the movie or read the book, uh, it's there. It's there. It was on your television at and some plus, point in the what, 90s. What do witches do? But turn things, why turn not? into animals. Yeah. Yeah. That's what witches, they're, yeah. it's one of their go-tos. And so what about, uh, all right. All right. So. Did, can you turn into a witch by hanging out with witches? No, they're just gonna, they, uh, they hate kids basically. And oh, they want to let kids out. They're real trouble. Yeah, they're not in kids. They're not positive witches. This no. is not charm. No, they're not. And they don't have okay. to look like anybody. This is one of my favorite things. I read The Witches also very young, and the intro to The Witches is not quite the story yet. It's just explaining that it, this book's gonna talk about witches, and here's a couple things to know. And they did, uh, there are details about witches. They don't have any toes. That's mm-hmm. a thing. So they have to wear kind of crummy shoes. Interesting. They can't wear fancy shoes. Uh, they have claws. They always got to wear gloves because they got these gross hands, claws. So they, uh, a sensible shoe. No hair. No Hairless. hair. They got to, they got to have that front. They got to have a lace front. Just glued down. They got a hot wig on all the time. <laughs> uh, they always, always in a wig. Hot wig. And their nostrils, their nostrils are kind of current wavy. Like they're like little seashells are kind of wavy and they're not round like a normal person. He's like, so those are some of the things you should look Wait, for. Wait, they're scalloped? Yeah, they're a little scalloped. I think that's exactly the word. Scalloped. Yeah. Like those, yeah. Scalloped nostrils. Scalloped nostrils. Just a little bit. You'd have That'll to stare to notice. But if you look at it, you know, those are the things to look for if you're glancing at a person. Because they blend right in with us. So you have to know what to look for. Right. And they have a little purplish blue tinge to their teeth, if I recall correctly. Hot glue wig and a scalloped nose uh, nostril. He talks about that a little in the intro. And then there's Quentin Blake was his illustrator. Beautiful illustrations for all of his work that I love very much. Uh, and he drew a little oh, picture. Oh, did he do most of the, mm-hmm. the books? Yeah. Two women side by side and ask you to pick which one's a witch. And one of them 
is, you know, blonde and pretty and smiling. And the other one is a scraggly brunette with kind of a long pointy face. Mm -hmm, But if mm -hmm. you do your homework and you actually look at which picture, you see those scalloped nostrils and you see that little hairline and who's it on? It's a friendly looking. It's on a a nice one reeling you in. Mm -hmm. And that, as a giantess of a child, I was a tiny ogress. I was a lump. (laughs) I was just a lump of child dropped into a school. Could you write, could that be the name of your autobiography? (laughs) Tiny ogress. Uh, just a blob of human meat wrapped in uncomfortable skin. And I felt like people looked at me like a stringy haired creep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw that picture like, no, some of the nice ones, some of the ones that look nice are really mean. Yeah. They're kind of evil and they're out to get you. And mm-hmm. you have to look past, you know, whatever stringy hair or in my case, you know, reverse Like, I don't know what was happening with my lumpy mash at that age, <laughs> but... I know that I was poorly attired. Yeah. I there was a, a good heart in there. There was, was a good heart, heart under that bugle but, boy, boys, Mervin's section, <laughs> husky boy section of Mervin's shirt. <laughs> There's a good heart. There's, you're doing good works. You're doing good works. That's and right. it's, and it's, uh, it's actions again instead of intent. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's good at that. That's the rule. Oh, he seems to, he can, he does do this really excellent sort of, like, it doesn't seem, it's, it is interesting, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and mm-hmm. then what's is there another one that I saw? Nope. Uh, but but from what I've seen of the trailers of the different movies, yeah. Allow talk about Caitlin's conjecture. Let's do uh, Jackie guessing. Yeah. Uh, it is that uh, that the children are all pretty solo, like they don't have other kid friends usually. Yeah, that is kind of a thing. Uh, it's but like BFG Sophie, the orphan, mm-hmm. who's a little too smart for the orphanage and knows the people who are running it are like not doing a great job or right. kind of mean. But, uh, but she doesn't have any other no. like other orphan friends like Annie. Not really. Yeah, like no. She's not finding, she's not head of a gang or a team. Danny, Danny the champion of the world, uh, little kid, no friends, doesn't bring anybody over because they have houses and he has a caravan. Okay. And he loves his life and his dad thinks it's the world of his dad, but he knows that people maybe it's going to be weird. That book you don't get to your older like, oh, they're gypsies and they're being discriminated against, but you don't know that's not explicitly stated. Okay, as far as I recall, in the actual book, Roald Dahl turns out pro gypsy. Pro gypsy. There we so go. There you go. The One contingent that he actually, yeah, the Romney people. He was on board. He so was good for him having a like a like a caravan. Yeah, he did like a caravan a lot. So he got married and had kids. Mm-hmm. How many kids did he have? I want to say three. Can I? Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, quick, this is, I'm turning the lens back on Caitlin here. Let's when I'm it. a fan of something, yep. as I said, at some point my fanhood evolved and the way I am a fan yeah. formed itself. Uh, I want to know what I want to know and I don't want to know anything else. Fair enough. And that's not to exclude myself from bad information. Like I want to know if somebody I admire has a, a side that I should be aware of or something. Right. But there's things I'm curious about and things that I'm not. Right. I mentioned being a huge MST3K fan. Yep. I believe that Joel left the ship and Mike was sent up. I don't want to know what really <laughs> happened between the real people that right. were producing oh, that actions? show and so angry about different things and fighting about what the show should be and how it should grow. I don't want to know any of that. No. I have accepted the narrative of the show. <laughs> Joel left. Mike came. That's yep. how this works. That's how Joel it is on Earth. He came back. He's managing. As I recall, he's like the night manager of a, fry, a fish fry. I think he's very out. happy. He's happy in his work. I accept that. I don't want to know. 
Roald Dahl exists to me inside of that Gypsy Caravan writing in the way he's described that he's writing, either drinking or trying not to drink, smoking or trying not to smoke, writing or trying to just get anything done in a state of pacing and frustration or asleep. Those are the only two ways he exists. That's it. I bet he wasn't a fun husband. So I don't want to, I haven't dug for those details. You haven't dug for those details. I accept the truth of that. Right. But I haven't looked. Yes. His granddaughter owns Knuckle and Claw on Sunset Boulevard, the Lobster Shack. So go eat a sandwich for with a relative of a doll. That's the best I got for you. Uh, I, I I now want to. I know. Wait, his daughter owns a his lobster granddaughter, shack? I believe. Granddaughter or great granddaughter? But grant his. Uh, I want to. I think that's descendant. Sophia doll or Sophie. <laughs> she has written cookbooks. She's an amazing uh, lady herself. But she that's her one of her little ventures is the establishment Knuckle and Claw on Sunset that does lobster sandwiches like lobster rolls. Wow. Yeah. Um, I may go get one today. There you go. Uh, I like a lobster. A lobster roll. rolls a tasty item. It's a, it's a damn delight. Yes, is it, is. it is. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Napa, Napa, California. Napa, California. I spent so, ten years and a bunch of years in San Francisco and Oakland. That's right. Okay, so it's all sort of middle Bay. California yeah. Bay Area. I'm uh, I'm going. This won't. This will be uh, up long after. But uh, this tomorrow. Yeah. I am driving up to do a bunch of shows. Like in Oakland, yeah, Santa Cruz, Walnut Creek, Mill Valley. Oh yeah, uh, and then a couple of nights. The stomping in, grounds. I'm sure I know those shows. Yeah, there are all these shows, and then Thursday, Dash Kwiatkowski, yeah, who's Superman Dork on this very program, mm-hmm. um, uh, got us a gig up in Arcata. Yeah, I love Arcata. I went to school at Humboldt State. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, and he said it's about three hours north of San Francisco. That's a lie. He that is, is lying. A, he is lying to you. Such a lie. That is a terrible I, lie. And you know what it is? It's a one-nighter lie, though. Yeah. So it's a lie that you're like, oh, all right. Oh, I've lived that yeah. lie. Before. I know this moment. It's yeah. a five-hour drive at least. And uh, if you don't stop at all, if okay. your car runs on five hours with no gasoline, fantastic. Yeah. It's a six-hour drive. Yeah, it's, it's a six-hour drive. It's another easy. trip yeah. to San Francisco yes, from Los Angeles. It is. It's equidistant. This is the same day of driving. All right, then. Done that many times. Okay, yeah. good to know, because mm-hmm. we're going up there, and then we're doing the show, and then we're driving back the next day. Yeah, you can do that. Oh, it it'll is, be fine. Yeah, I haven't fine. done it since the 90s. Take your time. That's not Have true. a nice breakfast at Los yeah. Bagels. Stretch your legs mm-hmm. around the plaza. The morning's a good place. People aren't up yet with their drums and their dogs <laughs> and their marijuana for sale illegally, even though it's legal now. Right. Uh Someone was, oh, I know. <laughs> friend of mine was telling me she was listening and I'm going to make this as blurry as possible yeah. because it's a, uh, an anonymous program. Sure. And uh, she was listening to an anonymous program up from that area mm-hmm. and there was people talking about how they used to make a lot more money selling pot. Oh, yeah. Uh, when it was illegal mm-hmm. and now they're trying to do it legal and there's a lot of paperwork, man. Yeah. Man, yeah. there's a lot of paperwork. Man, bringing me down with bringing all this bureaucracy. Down. There's bureaucracy and, you know. Ugh, it's, it's like they don't want me to rent this rental home, punch holes in the walls, and <laughs> grow mildew in every fucking surface so I can have 25 plants in every house on this block. Right, and, and so it's, I guess... I Medical guess marijuana I, was I, hard on I want, Right, I'm sure it was. Where you're like, well, but didn't you want it to be legal? And you're like... Well, yeah, I, did, I mean, but... I didn't want to go to jail. I just wanted to make hella money. <laughs> yes, that is exactly, I yeah. believe. And so there, uh, there's a, there's a journey going on there. Yeah. What I'm telling you. It's been an evolution. I went up there for weed, no doubt. I loved weed. I love weed still, but and still I was particularly passionate for it, uh, at that stage of my youth. I've never been on any kind of antidepressant or psychoactive, uh, drug prescribed to me. I think I made that choice right about 12. 
when Pac came into the picture that like, oh, this does most of that. This I'm going to use this for me, the way like my cannabinoid receptors and respond. Prozac and This is doing it. I'm right. not going to fuss with that formula. That's and what I have every, not. That's what everybody, uh, when I grew up, it was uh, everybody just turned to beer and uh, and pot yeah. and used it for that. And yeah. then if you were lucky, you didn't get addicted to beer and pot. Right. And But then, so you kind of weeded yourself off as you became an adult. Weeded. And so, but I think um, what I use, my, I do actually use books as, and I've been reading these mystery novels, but... Uh, with the political climate as it was, I had to stop reading oh, these yeah. Helen, Helen McGinnis mm-hmm. because she wrote during World War II and the Cold War. Right. And I'm like, oh, I had too many parallels. I can't yeah. actually face it right yeah. now because I have to actually get up and face it. So yeah. I, that's mm-hmm. not going to be a good escape for me right now. So I, I but I romance read six of novels. her. So I'm doing some romance novels. I am, I've been given two Bones books by my in-laws. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> It sounds like time for youth literature to pop back in your life. The metaphors are simple. Yeah. You can sail right through them. Right. You'll see bad guys, uh, that are, that are vanquished. Yeah. Yes. That's what I mean. I know you like a happy ending. I do enjoy a happy ending. Yeah. There's a dick joke. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, (laughs) my favorite dick joke. And I did this on Jackie and Lori's show. So Rangers, if you're listening to both, you've already heard this, (laughs) but, uh, my favorite thing, Andy and I, it's my first big relationship, right? Yeah. That I'm having with Andy Ashcraft. And my favorite thing that happened was, I think he's just been hanging out with me as a comic too long because mm. we were, and he didn't set it up on purpose. We're literally in bed, um, one morning and we wake up and he says, how'd you sleep or whatever? And I, cause I'm stretching and he goes, I said, well, I think I have a couple of knots in my neck. And he goes, do you want me to rub one out? And I've been doing stand-up a long time. Yeah. You too. Yeah. You, you know what it means. Yeah, that's and, served up on a platter. Yeah. And you so can't, I, I, that, I'm like the hungry wolf in that cartoon with the fork and the knife and the napkin tucked into nothing, <laughs> just like panting at the table for that joke. You can't. Right. So there's this pause, and I just kind of look at him, and he goes, yeah, I don't yeah. know how me <laughs> masturbating is going to help you, but I'm willing to. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you, yeah. came, you nailed it. You stuck the landing on that joke. That's I so didn't good. Have, I said word none. none. Yeah, you just look. <laughs> no. Yay, Andy Ashcraft. I love it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think I will. I think I, I'm going to actually go. I have a set tonight. I'm going to go to the Barnes & Noble, which is the thing that will have Matilda. It, or it I will. could go to the Iliad. Which it, might have it as well, the used uh, bookstore. They should all have copies with illustrations too, because that's one thing we haven't talked about is Quentin Blake and this- Quentin Blake. Yes, this career-long relationship between this artist and author who really, really meshed incredibly well together. And they're simple drawings. They're lines and sticks, but they form the pictures so perfectly. And oh, I think really? that's also an so apt just, analogy for doll's writing. So they're just pencil drawings. Yeah, There's pencil this, pen. Yeah, real easy. It. I, the, uh, he's done watercolor work. His work is incredible. And he's written and drawn for other things, but uh, for what he does with Doll, mm-hmm. it's uh, like color on the cover. But as you flip through your paperback pages, it's just these little black and white kind and of. He jumpings. does the covers as well. Yeah, he does. Quentin Blake. Yeah, Quentin Blake. That's great. There are editions with other artists, but I mean, for the true Doll experience, you need an edition with the Quentin Blake drawings, and as nice as you can find them. How all the, however they'll suss them up is great. Okay. Such it's such a simple, clean like it's a simple, messy, clear style uh, that. Is perfect for kids. It looks like a kid drew it, but it's perfect. It's not, right. it can, it's very approachable, but beautiful art that I think that does incredibly well with the stories. That's amazing. It's yeah. a, I wonder, 
Because he must have started doing them from the beginning, right? I don't know when they found each other. That's another thing I never cared to find out because yeah. to me they just always existed together. Right, I never had together. a copy of that book. I wasn't around, yeah. you know, to read a dull book when it would have been released, you know, right, as they an were excerpt in a magazine the 50s or something. Or yeah. 60s, right? Uh, yeah, that would have been straight through. Like he was writing all the time uh, through the 80s. But those books would have been much earlier. The earliest right. of them, right? And the- I just only know I exist in a world with them. So yes. I don't know when they came into existence before that. Sometimes I, I get, I get kind of, I'm watching It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And, uh, remember when Clarence, he's like the, the new, uh, the Tom Sawyer book. Yeah. And, uh, um, you're like, Oh, dude, you didn't get Huckleberry Finn or whatever it is. I always think, Oh, you missed the next Mark Twain book. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Or because you died before the next Mark Twain book came out. Uh, there's a very sweet story of a woman who did uh, – this is a, a sad, sweet tangent, but okay. it's worth indulging in. I'll make it brief. There's a woman in the Bay Area, huge, huge, huge comedy fan. Of course, the nicest person in the world gets a brain tumor. Uh, That'll happen. Who's she friends with? Everybody. She's just so magnetic, and she just came to your shows. She supported headliners and local comics with oh, that's equal amazing. enthusiasm. Aww. Such a darling. But her story, because she knew so many comedians, kept getting passed on down the line. Huge Mad Men fan. So worried she was going to missed the last season yeah. uh, got a call from Matthew Weiner, and uh, she was the only one on the planet who knew, knew what was going to happen in that last season before it happened and it's so funny because she made it kind of just past that time and was like, man, spoiler alert for nothing. I could have just waited. She like, oh. she was, she was so funny and would write so well about what was happening to her. But she was just like, yeah, of, of course. She eventually, of course. Away. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. Uh, her husband makes great music. Her kids are amazing. But Bay Area Comedy Institution, uh, Laura Kimball. Laura Kimball. Laura Kimball. Yeah, and, Laura and, and her Paul. husband. Paul Kimball is, is uh, the musician. Yeah, is a musician. That's neat. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. Doug Sandhope has the best stories about her. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, he's got some great stories. Yeah, of course. It's uh he's a good egg. He's a good man. Well, uh, let me tell you something, Caitlin Gill. It's been an hour, which I is amazing. It, and it's at Robot Caitlin it on is. Twitter and at Caitlin is Tall and Instagram. And Instagram. And I offered you a button. I do indeed have a tattoo of Roald Dahl on my ankle. Let's hear it. I got it on an ottoman from a friend I met when I was five years old who learned the trade of tattooing in his work in a prison commissary. Uh like he didn't, he wasn't in prison. He'd just go there every day to serve and make people food. Somebody taught him how to do tattoos, and I decided it was a good idea to let that man permanently imprint my body with a picture of Roald Dahl drawn by Quentin Blake. I love it so much, and it's a picture of Roald holding a book and walking. And I got it just as I decided that it was okay for me to believe that I could be a comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like him walking, me stepping out into this crazy new direction. And I just try to remember that this guy didn't know he could write until somebody sat down and told him to do it. And he just started. It yeah. wasn't a kid dreaming of it. It didn't come into his life. He just found his way into this creative yeah. profession. And there's something about that risk taking or that trusting your creative ability and just falling into it that I've needed. Mm-hmm. So there's this bigger lesson in his story that I've also learned. His stories that he wrote taught me a lot, but the way he led his life and let it start over so many times and was so adventurous. Yeah. I think is uh, an important lesson. Yeah. It has been good for me. Good for me and, to know. And what, uh, was that your first tattoo? No, my first tattoo is Calvin and Hobbes and it's on my back. Uh, um, so, cause I was going to say, un- it's unlikely. No, you get your, your first, first one t- in the studio. And, and you get, you get your- I have the full tattoo evolution. I got a, a pretty good one in an okay studio. I got, uh, you know, one done on an ottoman over a paper towel. Oh and then God. I went to a, a famous shop with a really reputable artist and got one that's visible. So my, my two advent, my two <laughs> little novice ones are generally not available to the public. And then I right. have one fancy one. 
Oh, there you go. Yeah. And when we when we uh, close the show, I'm going to look at them. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Everybody, uh, <laughs> come see me live if you want to see my tattoos. You never know. Maybe it's one of those weird shows I get naked. It's happened before. All right. December 22nd, you're at Cobbs. And every week you do crab apples at the Improv. Yep. And you're going to do crab apples in uh, San Francisco Sketch Fest and at the Riot LA. So excited. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for... so much for having me. I am such a fan. It you... was a real pleasure to come do this with you. You Thank are you welcome. So much. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we, you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?